song. That's one of those you, you need. You need to be reminded that we all need to be near to the Lord. It's fantastic. Thank you. What a blessing. Thinking about mothers this week in preparation for this message, an article uh, entitled, Do Mothers Really Make a Genuine Difference? Now, you already have the answer to that question in your worship guides because I, I decided ahead of time, even before I read the article, that yes, mothers make a genuine difference. But this is some of the things that the article said. Reports now tell us that a child's environment from, both, uh, from birth to age... From both, excuse me, from birth to age three, I wrote this in my hair. Okay, even influences, I'm sorry, even influences brain structure and ability to learn. Similarly, as a child is far less likely to mature emotionally without a mother's nurturing love in the child's early process. What I did was I wrote the article in my, in my sermon notes here, so I'm having a tough time reading my own words here, all right? My wife knows what I'm talking about. So in other words, in the early ages of a child's life, from birth to three, a mother's influence has a tremendous uh, effect on the maturity of, an, of, of a child in its early days. Barbara Bush said this, at the end of your life, ladies, you'll never regret not having, not having passed one more test not having closed one more deal, you will regret times not spent with a husband or a friend or a child. Mothers learn that a solid relationship with your children is its own reward. So yes, mothers do make a genuine difference. The answer to that question is, is yes. You know, it's interesting as I began to study the, the, the thought of moms and their references in the Word of God, I found at least, and, and maybe more, but at least 305 references to either a mom or mother or a story about a mother in the Word of God. 305 different verses or stories in Scripture. And so I'd like to give you this morning, if you would, if you would listen and give me your ear, five critical faith choices that mothers, that moms need to make. And that's the title of the message, Succeeding as a Mother of Faith. We're talking about family, and, and so as we break down the family and, and, and talk to moms and talk to dads and talk to children and talk to parents, as we break down the family, let's begin. Let's begin with moms. Let's talk about moms. You see, there's no way that a mom is going to make it successfully to the finish line without God. No way. Moms, you know that. Because you see, to get there with God, you must have faith. Because without faith, it's what? It's impossible to please God. So we know we can't make it without God. And we can't really make it with, without faith. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. So the idea this morning is to succeed as a mother of faith. So I'd like to talk to you for a few moments this morning about becoming mothers of faith. By taking that step to, to demonstrate faith in our families by achieving these five things. They're not easy. They're challenging. See, it's not easy to be a mother of faith. It really isn't. I think you'll understand that, but it is so worth becoming a mother of faith. Let me give you the first one. You ready? First of all, a mother needs to demonstrate faith to begin training her child from day... Can you guess the answer? One. From day one, a mother needs to demonstrate faith to begin training her children from day one. Psalm chapter 22 and verse number 9, the scripture says, and you have it there on, on the screen, it says, 
but thou art he that took me out of the womb, and thou didst make me hope where I was upon my mother's breast. I want you to pay close attention to those words, took me out of the womb. You see, over and over in Scripture, New Testament and Old Testament, we have reference to a mother's womb. The Scripture puts an emphasis on being a, something beginning from birth, something beginning from a mother's womb. And I can assure you, in our home, we've been blessed to have a mom that, for, that our five children cannot remember a time, a day in their life that they weren't hearing about the things of the Lord. For the, for the Eric Capace family, for the Eric and Carol Ann Capace family, praise God that our children have been hearing the things of the Lord from their mother's womb. You see, the Nazarite vow included dedicating your child to the Lord before they were even born. And that's why we have uh, baby dedications here at Gospel Light from time to time. In a couple of weeks, we'll actually have a baby dedication service. We just kind of do them by as children are born. We have a time in the service where, in the beginning of the service, where we dedicate those children to the Lord. And that is very, very important because from the beginning, it is not so much we're dedicating those children. It doesn't have any significance necessarily in the child's life. In fact, it has zero influence on the child. Child has no idea what's going on. The influence of the dedication of a child before they are born and then right as they are born in a public service is for mom and dad. It's for the parents. It's that you and I would understand how important it is to separate our children unto God at a very early age. Because the tendency today is to put off spiritual training until a later date. We've got time it's okay. We don't need to rush into this thing. Let me give you a couple of passages here. Proverbs chapter 1 and verse number 8. The Bible says in Proverbs 1, 8, My son, hear the instruction of thy father, but don't, don't miss the next part of the verse. And don't forsake the law of thy mother. Sometimes I think we, we tend to lean more towards in training, the, in the rearing of children, we, we tend to, to stress the need for the dads to, to train their children and, and to be the leaders of their home. And that is true. But the scripture also says that a child should not forsake the law of his mother. And then also in, in Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 20, just a, another ancillary verse that supports that text. My son, keep thy father's commandment, yes, but forsake not the law of thy mother. Moms, you are supposed to be a big part from day one of the spiritual training of your children. Now, don't fall into this trap that says, well, what can you do to train a baby? I mean, a baby is just a baby. They don't understand what's going on. They're just laying there in a crib and crying and need their diaper changed from time to time. You know, I don't know that there's much we can do to train our, our babies, right, preacher? And then, you know, obviously you become a toddler and they can't even sit still and they're always wobbling around and, and there's not much you can do to train a, a toddler. And then, of course, when they get to, to elementary school, I mean, you know, it's just a matter of just trying to contain them and, and, and keep them busy with things. And then, you know, who and what in the world can you do with a junior hire? Absolutely nothing, right? And then they get to high school and they just start making up their own minds, and guess what we've just done? We've just gone through their entire childhood. And before you know it, time is gone, the child is gone, the opportunity is lost. And this can be a sobering message for some because some of the things I'm going to say, I know there's going to be people in this room that would say, I wish I would have heard those things when I had a chance to do those things. 
but the opportunity is lost. And can I tell you something? That little baby that, that we're neglecting to train, that's going to become a toddler, that's going to become an elementary student and then a junior high student and a high school student, before we know it, it's gone. It's gone. I'd like to ask a little group of people to help me in the church right now that I've asked to come. And these precious people have taken some time to help me to, to do something in the service right now. You know, sometimes music is the best way to illustrate what the preacher's trying to say. And children have a way of singing, and they have a way of projecting their voices in an innocent way that sometimes gets our attention. So I really need to get your attention right now, parents. I need everybody in this room, regardless of where you're at in the parenting process, to remember this truth that we're going to talk to you about this morning. Because I'm going to tell you something. We need to cherish every moment we have with our children. Read my book, rub my back, mommy listen to my prayer, let me sit in your lap, daddy fly me through the air, throw a ball, make a snack, can we go to the park, tuck me in, hold me close, I'm afraid of Cherish the moment, soon you'll be apart. Cling to the memory, clasp it to your heart. Soon comes the day when you'll have no child to hold. So cherish, cherish the moment. a song, play a game, swing me high in the air, ride a bike, fly a kite, how I love the times we share, hold my hand, hug my neck, daddy rock me on your knee, come and sit by my to your heart soon comes the day when you'll have no child to hold so cherish cherish the moment think ahead to a time when your little ones are grown Hold them tight, don't lose sight of the blessings you have known. Think ahead to a time when your little boy's a man and you'd give anything just to hold him again. Cherish a moment, soon you'll be apart. Soon comes the day when 
Isn't that good? Now look, if you can do this... You see, this is good, dads. As long as you can pick them up... <laughs> licking their ears, rub their noses, right? Do you love daddy? Yeah. This is great, isn't it? I miss the day when she was five and six and seven, but ain't no 12-year-old keeping me down, I guarantee you. She'll have to put up with that. I can still do that to Carol Ann, too. Watch this. Come here, honey. Oh, I, I'm, come here. I know, we'll do it modestly. <laughs> you got to have a little fun, amen? Oh, my. So, moms, are you listening? Did I get your attention? Because you know what I just did? With God's help and these children's help, I challenged you. The time to begin training your children is now. And it's never too late. From day one. From a mother's womb. That's when training begins. What difference does it make? It makes a huge difference. That's why the Bible puts such an emphasis on the womb. The beginning days of a training a child. Number two, a mother needs to demonstrate faith to train her children to honor mom, to honor her. You say, what do you mean, train my children to honor me? That's right. You see, 13 times in the scripture, the Bible says something like this. Children, obey, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother. Children, obey your parents. Honor your father and your mother. Now, who's to teach that? I mean, do you think that we're to believe that our children are just going to kind of come across that passage in Ephesians chapter 6 and say, Sissy, look, it's incredible. What? The Bible says we're supposed to obey our parents. You're kidding. Let's do that. That's a great idea. It's right here. It's not happening that way. Children aren't going to train themselves to honor and obey you. You... Mom, you, Dad, are to train your children to obey that scripture. That scripture wasn't written for children, it was written for you. Moms and dads, we need to understand, we are the ones responsible for making sure our children's honor this morning, Mom. Dad, that's a high calling right there. It's shocking how kids speak to their moms these days. Shocking. And to treat them, uh, to, to, to treat their mothers with respect. We are training our, our kids to honor us and to obey us with a submissive attitude. And there's nobody in the home that, that, that deserves more respect than mom. And to have that submissive attitude, that's what it means to honor your parents. To let a child talk back or give a proud look, it's not love, okay? It's not patience. And it's not cool parenting either. Now, sometimes I just think we want to be too cool, Mom and Dad. Truth of the matter is, it's destroying the foundation of their respect for authority. And if you don't insist that they respect and trust you, that, or, or, or if you don't insist that they treat you with respect, then one day, don't be shocked when they wave their hand in the face of God and disrespect Him. Because we're training them to do that to authority. 
You see, we are responsible to make sure our kids respect and honor their mother. And dads, can I challenge you to, to put forth some intense energy towards this? Amen. I mean, maybe get out from in front of the television, and when you hear your child raise their voice to their mom, could that get you up off the couch and get you just a little bit? Could that, could, could that raise the, the level of your intensity about what's going on in your home just a little bit? When you see that look, that pout, that turning of the head, that, 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 that disgust about a, a, a command from mom, would that raise the level of energy in your heart? It's time to train. It's time to train. That's not respect. That's not honor, you see. And dads, we need to do that. This is part of our training responsibilities. We must not tolerate my, uh, children talking back and disrespecting their mother. Amen. That's what our responsibility is. Number three. All right, moms, you ready for the third thing? So first of all, we've said this. A mother needs to demonstrate faith to begin training your children from day one. Secondly, mothers need to, to demonstrate faith to train their children to honor her, to honor mom. Number three, a mother needs to demonstrate faith by doing the little unnoticed things. The little unnoticed things. Now, in the Old Testament, probably, arguably, and it's definitely arguably, the most famous mother in the Old Testament was Hannah. Hannah was a pretty cool mom. She wanted to have children. And she wasn't having children, so she made a promise to God that if God would let her have a child, here's what she promised. It's on the screen. It's in 1 Samuel chapter number 1 and verse 11. And she vowed a vow, and she said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid, the affliction of infertility, which I think we all need to be very sensitive to in, in the lives of, of, of even moms in our own church who are praying for children. And here is a mom saying, if you'd look on that affliction and remember me and not forget thine handmaid, but will give me, give that handmaid a man child, then I'll give him, I'll give him unto you, Lord, all the days of his life. And there'll be no razor come upon his head. What she did was she, she asked God to give her a child and she made him a promise. She said, God, if you give me a child, I'll give him back to you. And then we see in that, later on in that chapter, verse 27 and 28, Scripture says, for this child I prayed. She was rejoicing. Hannah said, the Lord hath given me my petition, which I asked of him. Therefore also have I lent him to the Lord. As long as he liveth, he's going to be lent to the Lord. Almost like, you know, God, I'll let you borrow him for, for a while, for his whole life. You can, you can have him, God. I'll, I'll lend him to you. I, you gave me a child. I promised you I'd give him back to you. And that's what she did. It's a great story in Scripture. It's one that we've often preached from and on Mother's Day or, or talked about as a, a great example of, of what it means to be a mom. But could I fast forward to, to give you my thoughts to chapter 2, verse 18 and 19. And I want you to see these in, in 1 Samuel chapter 2. And it says, but Samuel, pay attention, ministered before the Lord being a child. So now Samuel's growing up, right? He's growing up in a Christian home. Mom's giving him back to the Lord. Things are going along just real nicely here. And the child Samuel, the, the man-child, as Scripture called him, uh, is growing up. He's girded with a linen ephod. Moreover, his mother, this is mom right here. Mom, she made him a little coat. Now, let me tell you something about Christmas. When my kids get a coat, they ain't excited about that. You, you, you ever seen the look of a child that opens up something? They're like, thank you. you know, they're ready for the Xbox, you know what I mean? They're ready for the, give me the something that, the coat. 
I mean, I don't even like wearing a coat, you know, but guess what mom was doing? She was making a little coat. Here's how often she did it. She brought it to him year to year. Mommy, here's your coat. You've been growing, boy. I made you another coat. And she brings him the coat. Now, dads, we're not like that. I'm not. I mean, you know what I want to get Zoe? I want to get Zoe the coolest tennis shoes, the LeBron jersey, you know. <laughs> I mean, I know what Zoe likes. And I want to be the cool dad. Mom, she could care less about the LeBron jersey. She could care less about the tennis shoes that cost too much anyway. We can get five shoes for that price, you know. What mom's worried about, you see, what mom gets for Christmas, you can ask him, it's the weirdest stuff. It's stuff that matters. You know, it's stuff that they can use. It's stuff, you know, like T-shirts and underwear and, I mean, things that everyday things, the little unnoticed things, amen, the little coat. I bought you another coat, Sammy. It, it, I worked extra hard on this one, got it on bargain at Walmart, but it's a really good one. That's how moms are. And moms, let me tell you something, that has a massive impact on our children's lives. Moms give the functional things, the necessary things. Every year she did this. She did, you know what she did? She did what had to be done. She did the little unnoticed things. And you know, as I see it today, many people are getting applause that really don't deserve the applause. Those who deserve the applause for children that are being raised in, in homes and becoming godly kids, moms. Moms who by faith do the little unnoticed things. And moms, we need faith to keep doing those things. To keep doing those little unnoticed things that, that nobody really, you know, around our, our house, when, when things are, when, when, people, when, when the kids are getting ready or when they're going somewhere, the questions that need to be asked and, and the things that they need to make sure they bring, right here. I'm not worried about it. I'm, what they're coming to dad for is money for food and fun, you know. And th- but w- w- with mom, it's going to make sure they've got everything they really need. What am I saying? I'm saying I believe it takes faith, mom. Sometimes you're, you're not recognized as the hero. Dad's the guy that's cool. But you are the hero. You deserve the standing ovation. Those little unnoticed things. Number three. All right, you're in Luke chapter two. You're probably wondering, when in the world are we going there? It's time. Look at Luke chapter two. What we're going to read real quickly is one of the most unusual stories about the most famous mom in the New Testament, which was... Mary, Mary, Hannah, maybe in the Old Testament, Mary in the New Testament. And here they were going to the Passover here, and and that was a great celebration once a year, going down to this great Passover. It was a festival-type atmosphere, and families came with their families together to Jerusalem, and the family of Jesus was in Nazareth, and so they traveled down to Jerusalem to, uh, to this great celebration of the Passover. Now they're heading back to Nazareth, right? And they get somewhere down the road and they can't find Jesus. He's gone. They don't know where he is. In fact, it's interesting that the Scripture tells us, and we'll begin to read in just a moment from this passage, but that he was missing for three days. Parents, can you imagine? Your child... In this society, with things going on today, in this country, your child being missing for three days and nobody knowing where he's at. Now, I, I, think, I think 
this was a major blunder because, you know, th- this, can you imagine Mary looking at Joseph, honey, God entrusted us with a king of kings and we don't even know where he's at, you know? We've lost the king of kings. And so the Bible says in verse 46, and it came to pass that after three days, <laughs> they found him. He's in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, 12 years old. 12 years old, Jesus, sitting in the midst of doctors and asking them questions, answering questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. But when they saw him, mom and dad, they were amazed. And his mother said, son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. Where have you been, son? Jesus answered, wasn't the most sensitive answer he could have given you know but he is the son of god so we'll it's good maybe he maybe the scripture didn't tell maybe he did give his mom a hug and say he's sorry but the scripture doesn't tell us but let's let's kind of believe he did because that would have been a lot more sensitive than just saying mom come on wouldn't you know that i'm just about my father's business you know and that's what he said and they understood not They understood not the things that he spoke. But notice verse 51. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth. So now they're going back home and they've got their their junior hire Jesus with them now. And they get back to Nazareth. And he was subject to them. He was submissive to them. But then this statement, and here's my thought. Are you ready? Look at it. But his mother, she knew. She knew something was going on. She kept all these things in her heart. This is part of what's happening with my son. He's God's son. And that's the most important calling in his life. Here's my thought. Moms, a mom needs faith to let her kids put God first. A mom needs faith to let her kids put God God first. And that's what I believe Mary was doing. This was a turning point in Mary's life. This was a crossroads as a mom when she realized this is part of what God is doing in in my son's life. And she was willing to let go so God could have him and he could put God's first. And that is a hard thing to do. Amen. It's not as easy as just preaching it. It's a hard thing to do. I've often thought that there might be a whole lot more kids go to the mission field or potentially be in the ministry or who knows, surrender their life to be a a servant of God if moms would let their kids put God first. Who knows? Children need to grow up in homes where parents are putting God first. Seems like we have no problem allowing our kids to put school first. We're good with that. We're good with letting our kids put sports first. But what about God? Are we allowing our kids to put God first in their lives? Are we okay with that? How many moms do we have here this morning that are teaching their kids, teaching their kids, modeling in the home for their kids to put God first? And we're going to be okay with, what, with whatever God does with that. We're going to be fine with it. And we're modeling that. I want to introduce you to a mom in our church who I believe modeled it. And because of this mom, we are the beneficiary of a youth pastor's wife. So just view this three-minute video and I'll finish the message. 
Welcome, Gospelite family, this Sunday to the services here as we continue to talk about the family in the year of the family. And we're talking about that mothers need faith to let their children put God first. And I'm here with Charla Meese, who is the mother of our youth pastor's wife. And Charla, it's great to have you here with me this morning. And I want to talk to you just a little bit about that and ask you, first of all, when was it that you personally remember putting God first in, in your life? I had gone to one year of Bible college and decided I wanted to go another direction. I was going to earn some money to go to a different type of school, and that I was planning on that. I did start dating my husband now, Don, and he was definitely uh, going into his, uh, finishing up his junior year, going into senior year of getting a, a degree to be pastor. And I thought, I, I thought, um, this is going f further than I want it to in, in a direction I really don't want to go. And so he went home for a week before school started his senior year, and I decided it would be a good time for me to break that off when he came back, to be fair to him. About midweek, it shocked me that my feelings were I could not wait for him to get back. And I'm thinking, and so I started praying, and I'm thinking, Lord, what, you know this is not how I feel. But by the time he got there, the, the Lord had convinced me that I was supposed to continue dating him, even though he was going into ministry. So, Charlotte, God dealt with your heart about Don because you knew Don had put God first. You knew the direction he was going was to serve God with his life, and, 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 and you accepted the fact that, God, even though this isn't necessarily what I wanted, I want what you want more than what I want. That's awesome. That's awesome. And, Charlotte, my follow-up question is this. After having put God first in your life, beginning to model that in your home as a mom, because we're talking about mothers of faith, like yourself, need to put God first for their children to see. And so, Sherry, growing up, seeing your commitment to Christ, how did that begin to look in, in your home for your child? Don and I dedicated her to the Lord in the, in the delivery room with the thought that we wanted our home life to give God preeminence just as much as church and Sunday school. And so we, we, he was interwoven in all of our discussion and in prayers, for even her simple prayers, and that helping her to see that God answered her prayers. And with the, with the trust that God would take her where he wanted her to go if we yielded her to him. Awesome. And mothers, don't be afraid of motherhood. Take it day by day. God will lead you step by step, whatever situation your child is going in, and trust him to lead you to direct them. Man, that was awesome, Charlotte. Thank you so much. And I want to thank you personally for surrendering your life to Christ. When you came to that crossroads and you put God first, which meant marrying Don, which meant being in the ministry, dedicating Sherry to the Lord. In church today, we are the beneficiary of that decision of a mom who put God first, of a daughter who saw that and decided to put God first. And now she's the youth pastor's wife of gospel life. Hallelujah. Moms, by faith, model putting God first in your life so your kids will see that and in turn put God first. Now, back to the sermon. Right back to the sermon, okay? Now, I love Charlemagne, don't you? And I'm so thankful for her and her testimony. And I was so excited to be able to share that with you because, listen, you know, I think about my home. My kids don't have a perfect mom. They don't. So that would have been a good amen right there for you. You missed it, though. All right. 
They don't have a perfect mom. But I want to brag on their mom for just a moment because they know this. And I'm grateful they get to see this. But mom, she wakes up every morning, just a little bit after I do, gets to the kitchen table, opens up her journal, opens up her devotional, gets her pen out. Sometimes in the afternoon when we're all gone and she gets Glorianne, because as soon as Glorianne wakes up, life is never the same. You know that. So we have to wait till we take her to first step. Once we get her there, sometimes she'll come home, continue her Bible open, sometimes two, three hours, music in the background, just getting in God's Word, spending time with God to get wisdom so that she won't be drawing from a dry well when she's training and investing in her kids. And I know it just made such a huge difference in our home that my wife is modeling putting God first. And our kids are getting to see that. Because I think our kids desperately need to see mom putting God first. I do. And I thank God for that. Number five, and lastly, a mom needs faith to release her kids when the time comes. A mother needs faith to release her kids when the time comes. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 24 will be the verse on the screen. And this is the first actual reference to mothering in the Bible. And it really is a reference about mothering or parenting. But let's just focus on moms for just a moment here because it's, it's spoken to the first mother of all time, Eve. In Genesis chapter 2 verse 24 it says, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall become one flesh. The idea is this, that there is a time to let go of your kids. That's the idea. Now, we're, we're there. Believe me, in just a few months, our oldest son is going to be getting married, and we're all going out to California to be a part of that. And I understand that there is already a leaving and a cleaving taking place. And we and, and us together, especially mom, obviously, needs to have faith to release Mo, and the time has come. For him to be now a real man. And to be a husband to his wife and a father to his children. And we'll be there, Lord willing, he'll honor us, but he no longer needs to obey us. That's, that's, that's done. He may get my advice and say, Dad, I think I'll do that, but he doesn't have to. He's his own man. I think he'll honor us. I pray that he will. But we're going to let go of that. And that's part of, that's part of the process of having faith to trust God. And you know when the process begins? You know what round one is? Round one is when they're a baby in the crib. That's right. And then round two is when you drop them off to kindergarten. Come on now. How hard is that, moms? I remember. Yeah, round two is when, you know, you're like, they're going to be gone from me for four hours, and I just, this is so hard. And then round three, when they go to a full day of school. And then you know what round four is? Can I sleep over so-and-so's house? Or could I spend the day with, don't you want to spend the day with me? Why are you even asking? They're boring. They're no fun. I'll do everything for you. I'll get you whatever you want. You know. And we begin to, to try to hang on. And then, and then high, junior high and high school and college. And round one, though, round one, let the process begin of letting go. If you're still treating your kids in round six like you did in round one, we got serious issues. <laughs> okay? It's a process. And that process only takes place by faith until they get married letting go is not the easiest thing in the world to do now how can we apply this message let me give you two applications one i'm going to give the parents and two i'm going to give the, the children since we have both in the room this morning first of all mothers 
Make a conscious choice to connect your role as a mother to faith in God. Make a conscious choice this morning to connect your role as a mother to having faith in God because without faith it's impossible to please God and you can't do this on your own. You can't. You've got to have God's help. That's what being a mother is all about. Being a mother is about faith in God. God can do what we can't do. Amen? Because some of you are thinking right now, you know, message is tough. I mean, I don't know if I can do that. That's, that's, that's hard, and it is harder. It's, it may, it may, in fact, some of you may, may think this sounds a little easier in the sermon, but when you get home and try to practice these things and make yourself accountable to your husband about some of these things, and it gets real tough, and you realize you can't do it, guess what? That's when you need God. Because we can't do much without him, amen? And that's what I'm talking about. Make a conscious effort, moms, to connect your role as a mother to faith in God, to pray and to believe and to wait sometimes is not easy to do. And I'm sure that I'm speaking to some hurting moms. Maybe, maybe there's some prodigal children in, in, in your flock away from God and they're not serving God today. Maybe they're not in church today. Trust God. Trust God. Put your faith in God that he'll bring them back. He'll bring them back to him, to church, to the word of God, to the work of God. Don't give up. Don't lose faith. And then number two, children, choose to honor your parents. Choose. Make a choice to honor mom and dad. Can I give you some ideas, some things that you can do? These are so generic, but... Are you doing these very basic, generic ideas that I have for you today? Number one, write them a card. Write them a card. Number two, buy them a present. Just, just simple. Just go up and buy mom and dad a present. Even if, if, if you're here in this building and you're, I know most of our children are in Kids Incorporated, but, but if we have a child here, or a junior high or high school, when's the last time you just went out and, and spent five bucks on mom? You know, I had some time... Last week, I was in a mall with some basketball guys, and I just went to a Hallmark place. Corniest, girliest place in the world, a Hallmark store. I mean, just, you feel sissy walking through the store. Everything is so, you know, you feel like if you touch something, it's going to break, and everything's like mushy and sweet. And you're like, but that's what she likes. And I bought her some stationery and wrote her a card. And, and when I walked out of that Hallmark store, I felt like the best husband in that place. Kids, that's how you'll feel. You'll feel that way when you spend five bucks on mom and dad. You'll, you'll be like, I can't wait to get home and give them this gift. It'll do just as much for you as it, it does for them. Number three, spend some time with them. Just spend some time with them. I mean, not them asking you to spend time with, with them, but you asking them to spend time with you. It's a great idea. These are three simple ways that you can choose to honor your parents. And then one final challenge. I went to visit my mom this week, and intentionally, we spent some time with Christmas. My mother has a hard time. She lives in the village, but she, 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 some of you that know mom know she has a, a chronic back problem slash disease, and she's got a pain pump in her back. It's, it's a, a, a tough road for her to go, but we, we, uh, we got to spend quite a bit of time with her during Christmas, and she even got to come over the house, which was really cool. But I, I didn't want to challenge you without doing it myself. And I got to thinking, you know, my mom's 72 years old, and there's been a couple of times where she's almost passed away. 
and she's actually doing a little better right now, but I didn't want to miss the opportunity. So I just simply wrote a tribute to my mom. And I want to read that to you today. I was going to try to get her here this morning, but she said there's no way she can come in the morning. She said, I might could come at night. And I said, no, Mom, it's going to be bad weather. Don't worry about night. But I did read it to her on Thursday. And she cried, and I cried, and we had a great time. Here it is. Dear Mom, for years I've been forming in my mind words of honor and tribute to you for being such an incredible mother and investing your very best in me. As adults, we see things kids never see, and... That perspective has only heightened my respect and gratitude for the woman God chose to be my mother. I know that you overcame many challenges as a child that I have never faced. You had an amazing work ethic as I was growing up, and you taught me to love and value hard work. You never used being a single parent as an excuse for anything. You just worked hard and loved Brett and I with all your heart. I have known and felt your love my whole life. You were always available to us. You were the first to choose Jesus in our family, and then you led us to a place where we could receive salvation. Mom, you were an overcomer in a world of excuse makers. Remember the many times I, I came to you with my burdens and you always said, God will take care of us. Remember the many people you led to Christ. You were a great witness for the Lord. I remember being in the hospital and you were the only one who could make me feel like it would be okay. Remember the great meals, the red gravy, the mock lasagna, the pineapple salad, the meatloaf, the fried chicken, the bananas foster, the Italian hamburgers, the bread pudding. You're the best cook in the whole world. Sorry, honey. She is. I mean, you're good, but... Remember how I'd make you laugh? Remember how I'd make you cry? Remember how I would occasionally make you swear? You were never perfect, but mom, you were always authentic. You raised me good, you taught me well, you walked your walk, you talked your talk, but even today, you are still loving, still cheering, still supportive, still praying. So I honor you, Mom. You're a triple, double, grand slam, record-breaking mother of success by faith. And I can still hear you saying, keep serving Jesus, son. And to that I say, amen. Every head bowed and every eye closed this morning. With heads bowed and eyes closed.